This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about NetApp's latest acquisition, Spot, and how it's improving cost effectiveness and automation in the cloud. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have a special guest from Spot. So uh, Tomer is here. So Tomer, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hey Justin, Uh, great talking with you. Uh, What I do at NetApp is uh, I joined NetApp via the Spot acquisition uh, last July uh, in 2020. And uh, I lead uh, the field engineering for Spot in the Americas. Uh, So a group of solution architects, uh, pre-sales engineers and customer success engineers uh, that work with uh, all of our customers and helping them leverage uh, our products and uh, save costs in the cloud. Tomer, how do we uh, reach you? How do you reach me in uh, in general? <laughs> um, well, I mean, you don't have to like, give me your home address or anything. I mean, you know, email <laughs> or social media, your choice. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you can find me on email at uh, Tomer. That's T-O-M-E-R dot H at netup.com. Um, you can find me at Twitter handle. I believe it's TomerHD. Um, but I haven't checked that one in a while, so uh, email would probably be best. All right, excellent. So Tomer is here to talk to us about Spot. Um, and if you're not familiar with Spot, you know NetApp acquired Spot maybe a month or two ago. I can't even remember how long. How long was it, Tomer? Was it a couple months? For me, it felt like years already. <laughs> um, I already feel like I'm out of NetApp uh, full on. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a couple months, uh, early July, so almost three months now. All right. So uh, you know. So let's just level set. What is Spot like? What is what does it do? How do you use it? Um, yeah, so uh, Spot is a platform for uh, what we like calling uh, continuous cloud optimization, uh, which is a sort of a, an extension to the world of CI/CD, allowing you to just as you change your code and you change your developers change your application stack hundreds of times a month. Um, also upgrade and change your infrastructure dynamically to stay the most performant and cost-effective also hundreds of times a month instead of once every six months when you go through a um, cost optimization exercise. Um, that's kind of the core of what we do. Uh, we'll definitely dive deeper into that soon, but uh, at a high level, uh, we're a, an automation platform for the cloud that enables cost optimization uh, based on application performance and requirements. So you mentioned automation and, and you know the cloud. What are you using for the automation back end? Is it Kubernetes or is it something else? Um, so you use a variety of mechanisms. Um, basically, our platform can integrate into our customers' cloud environments. Uh, that's across the three major public cloud providers. And we sort of become a layer between their application and their cloud. So they're not buying infrastructure from us, so they're not, uh, we're not reselling anything. We help orchestrate their existing environments inside their existing um, virtual private clouds or VPCs. And we essentially make real-time decisions uh, based on the application requirements around the instance sizes, pricing models, performance, the application requirements at times. Um, so you've mentioned Kubernetes. Kubernetes is a great example of an integration we have. Um, we're able to integrate with any type of Kubernetes at any um, cloud really within minutes. Um, and we help Kubernetes clusters uh, often save up to 90% of their spend um, compared to the on-demand rates on them. 
And uh, but yeah, we integrate natively to many different cloud environments and help optimize um, anything that is auto scaling, any batch type process, any high performance computing, MapReduce workloads, web applications uh, were kind of really the first bread and butter that we went into. Uh, then we moved up into the container stack somewhere in 2016, early 2017, or pretty early on that market. And, uh, and yeah, we optimize almost anything that is cloud native. And uh, we also work with some stateful legacy applications. So uh, um, it's almost all over the map. So as far as cloud goes, I mean, do you support all the cloud providers? Does it really matter which cloud you're in? Um, so we support the three major public cloud providers. Um, I wish we could support all of them, but uh, there's really, you know, maybe a dozen big ones that are you know, big in terms of uh, thousands and thousands of VMs they manage. And then there's thousands small mini ones or very regional uh, hosting services, which are essentially sort of a cloud. Um, but as far as major cloud providers go that enterprises use, yes, we support Amazon Web Services, we support Microsoft Azure, and we support uh, the Google Cloud Platform. With all the cloud platforms that you're providing support for, how is it integrated in there? Is it a cloud native application? Is it an agent you have to install? How do you use Spot? That's a great question. Um, and many customers uh, actually ask us a lot, and it is um, doesn't say too straightforward, unfortunately, but. Basically, we're a very, very quick integration. Um, it's a, it's basically a service account um, inside your uh, your cloud account. So really what we do is we're able to ask your cloud provider for metadata on your servers. So all we see in our customer environments is always metadata, no sensitive information, no identifiable information, no, uh, and no regulated data is available to us. So which does enable us to work with financial services, with healthcare, with insurance companies, with government agencies and whatnot. Um, back to your question. So we connect to the customer environment and we see the metadata of the metrics that those servers are using. And then we send um, the cloud provider based on you know, certain policies and configurations you have with us um, or that we see. We send back the API calls um, to the cloud providers via the cloud, uh, the clouds, the relevant clouds uh, backbones, and we essentially ask the cloud provider directly to orchestrate resources. So to get a little more specific, let's say you have uh, ten instances behind the load balancer that require to scale up two more instances when you're at eighty percent CPU. So let's say we're in AWS, we will look at the CloudWatch metrics of those ten servers. Um, see that they hit that 80% um, CPU, and then we'll send a run instances call to AWS to add two more instances. Now, when we send that ask, what we're going to do is look at all the cloud environment that you have around the commitment models you've created and the discounts you get and the spot market prices, which uh, we'll get to in a moment what they are. And we use all that data to make real-time decisions on what is the best way to add two more servers to that application? Um, and because we integrate to all of your existing setups, it takes about, well, if someone would uh, join us on that call right now and he's never seen our product, it would take me about seven minutes to walk him through running um, any type of cluster with us. Um, so connecting his cloud account to us, um, integrating everything, giving us the right permissions, making sure they're uh, you know, well, security reviews will take time, but <laughs> um, but otherwise, quickly look at the IAM role that we are accessing. Uh, the connectivity literally takes ninety seconds, and uh, 
then connecting a cluster takes another minute or two. So it would really take just a few minutes and would integrate a service role to any cloud account. With the the platforms that you're you're providing for Spot, um, when you deploy it, what are you trying to deploy? What's the end goal when you're trying to deploy Spot? Um, so you deploy your, uh, you know, your organization's applications. Um, so companies like Ticketmaster, like uh, Duolingo, um, and uh, you know, over a thousand different customers are leveraging our platform to run their uh, production environment, their uh, dev environment, or staging environment. Um, these can be clusters running uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, VMs, um, running um, you know all types of microservices uh, that support their front end facing uh, and the back end um, of their services. Uh, what the Spot platform allows our customers to do really is to run on cloud access capacity for 90% cheaper than the on-demand prices while maintaining a 4.9 SLA guaranteed by contract uh, from Spot or by NetApp. <laughs> and, uh, and really, you can integrate any type of workload uh, and any architecture into our system and have it continuously optimized uh, from a cloud infrastructure standpoint. So how does Spot integrate into NetApp products? Like, what does it do today? So I think, first of all, it's really important to remember that the uh, Spot integrates into NetApp's vision of application-driven uh, infrastructure very, very well, um, and kind of brings in the compute and uh, the, com- the compute pillar into the storage pillar that NetApp um, is doing so well at and provides so much value to customers with. Um, we're actually already able to integrate in some extent to Azure NetApp files and uh, into some on-tap volumes uh, by leveraging essentially NetApp storage capabilities, which um, extremely complementary. So I do want to take for a moment a step back and explain what cloud access capacity is for anyone in the audience that's not familiar with it. Um, and I think that will help understand why NetApp's ability to create data resiliency becomes so useful. So in the cloud, you have three different pricing models, uh, mainly for a compute. You have the on-demand, which is kind of what you get started with. You pay as you go. You get every instance type, shape, and size you can think of, probably. Um, and you pay per second for what you're using at the on-demand market rates. Now, another pricing model that many people are familiar with is buying a commitment from the cloud provider. Um, some call them reservations, committed use discounts, savings plans, um, and whatnot. And then you'll get a 30 to 60% discount. Um, but you commit to a certain amount of usage for one to three years, um, which you'll pay either all upfront, partially upfront, or you just commit to the monthly payments. Now, you have to commit to that usage. You, ha- you can't enjoy um, a fully flexible infrastructure when you buy commitments, uh, which is one of the core value propositions of the cloud. Now, there's a third model, which is slightly less known and harder to manage, which is called spot instances. Uh, from the name of our company or of our uh, product uh, suite. You can take a guess that this is where we play with. Um, Spot instances are the access capacity inside the cloud providers. Um, So AWS calls them spot instances. Um, Azure used to call them low priority VMs, but now they've actually started calling them and relaunched them as spot instances as well. Um, And Google calls them uh, preemptible VMs. What they are is the exact same VMs you have at the on-demand or, or, or reservation model for a 70 to 90% discount of the on-demand price. So they are the cheapest way to buy compute in the cloud. But there's one very major caveat that there's a 0% SLA on them. Um, so 
they can maintain 405 nines in theory, but there's no guarantee um, contractually or otherwise from the cloud providers. What a spot platform does is essentially take those automation capabilities we have that I've mentioned earlier, and all the data we have by managing spot instances across the cloud providers or access capacity for years now, uh, we're running hundreds of thousands of VMs, uh, we're continuously taking that data in order to leverage the right VM at the right time um, and using ways to find that access capacity in a reliable manner while maintaining a 4.9 SLA for our customers. And now back to NetApp. Uh, because these instances are ephemeral, that means all your workloads and all your systems need to be ephemeral. But data persistency is obviously really important for many businesses and reliability and the ability to have dynamic volumes that are reliant, efficient, scalable, um, and resilient um, really falls well with the idea of having um, essentially starting to treat your compute as cattle and your data as a pet instead of having both of them completely coupled into each other um, and being able to leverage the flexible compute models in the cloud while leveraging the resiliency and trust of storage um, that Netta brings. So you mentioned cattle and pets, and we've we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I don't, if you haven't heard that before, let's let's talk about that. What that means. So, what is a cattle in this regard, and what is a pet? Like, why do we call them these things? I like describing it sometimes. Is uh, when you think about many traditional IT organizations, um, and a few years ago, or even just today, that are now going through their transformations. Um, if we go before the VM world, uh, then really. Every time you needed a new application and a new server, you actually went and physically deployed one in a data center. I remember doing that back a decade ago, um, you know, going into these cold rooms and making sure you have enough space and you have enough servers and, you know, every server really matters because if you don't use it right, you're going to have to buy a new one and it's not that easy and you have to procure the whole thing. Um, you know, that's when you do, obviously you do it in larger bulks and potentially you have to wait until the next purchasing round for more capacity and whatnot. Um, and because of that, you started really caring for your servers. They're expensive, they require maintenance, they require attention, they, they are very tightly tailored to your applications, the, your data is there, your networking is there, things approach you through your private IPs and, and whatnot. But then you go into the cloud and you go to stateless um, architectures of applications, and suddenly everything is infinitely scalable, is immutable. You can always change your servers. You can have a thousand nodes and you want to make a tiny difference in them. Just deploy a thousand new ones in the cloud and kill the old ones uh, I mean, a few minutes later after they're drained out. Um, and that means you're starting to, instead of treating them like a pet, where you pet every day, you upgrade, you nurture, you feed, you whatnot, you start treating them like cattle, which you don't treat as nicely, um, and you kill and replace uh, for essentially your needs or your business's needs um, in order to get the most out of them. And we really think that the, the world has come to a place where it can start treating its compute like a, almost a commodity, um, essentially like cattle. Um, compute comes and goes. It has different prices in, by different providers. It's extremely flexible. Um, and yes, many organizations will optimize to a specific hardware type but most don't. And really they're trying to get the, the most efficiency they can per vCPU they use. Um, so we're saying if you start thinking it as cattle, um, you can continuously optimize and continuously um, look for the most efficiency as long as something does that programmatically for you. 
Are you finding customers that kind of combine the two and they actually have like Wagyu beef or Kobe beef where they, they like to take care <laughs> of their cattle very kindly like pets, but they're still cattle? Um, 100%, yes. Um, th- there are two different ways customers, I think, will approach it. Um, one is just a mix. Some of it will be cattle and some of it will be pets um, that connect to the cattle. Um, but some of it will just be like you're saying, kind of like very expensive cattle. Um, it's being replaced, it's being killed, it's being sold, but it can't happen that often. Um, it's not, you know, not all parts of the stack are completely able to be so stateless and so resilient. Um, it's really nice that you have a stateless front end that can, you know, replace a thousand VMs in minutes. But if you have a backend connectivity that can't handle so many new connections being swapped at once, that's not going to be... Uh, very nice to have your entire front end replaced at once. Um, and we definitely have mechanisms within the spot platform that some of them almost eliminate the replacements and some of them are just there to really mitigate them. So instead of uh, you know having, let's say you want maximum savings and your workloads are completely modernized, completely cattle native almost, um, then you could say something like I'm okay with a 20% rate of interruption in my cluster daily. Um, so like a fifth of my cluster will churn itself every day or every few hours even um, to optimize for savings. Well, someone else will say, I would actually rather churn about 5% of my cluster per week, not 20% a day um, because some of my infrastructure won't handle it very well. And with that, I'll give up some savings, but I'll find a common ground. Um, I do just want to clarify that, you know, when I say give up some savings, it's not like you're going from uh, 80 down to 20, but rather you're going from 75 to 68 um, or something like that. We're still talking at around the 70% uh, ballpark of savings in any case. So how does Spot manage the excess capacity or the commitments to this? Like, how do they take care of that? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So uh, I've mentioned the excess capacity earlier as kind of the spot instances and all these models. Um, I also mentioned that we do that there are commitments in the cloud that you know you do for one to three years. And you, as you mentioned, Justin, uh, not everything is cattle. Not everything can be excess capacity. Something is more around pets. Something needs to have a hybrid model where it uh, you know leverages some wagyu beef, <laughs> uh, as you mentioned. Now, and this is where the reservations or commitments come in really handy. Um, but again, there's a, there's some depth to them. So as I mentioned, you can do one year to three years, convertible, regionals, globals, all upfront, no upfront. Essentially, you know, and the discounts will range anywhere from like 27% to 63% or so. Um, and there's quite a range. Now, the way we like to think about it is that this is almost like a portfolio of commitments that you have with the cloud providers, and it should be handled as a portfolio. Um, just like you wouldn't put all your stocks or all your money in a single stock, you also shouldn't invest all of it in a single commitment model. Um, so what we've done there is we want to help our customers optimize their entire environment across access and non-access capacity. And we also do continuous optimization to, mod- to the pricing models with the cloud. So earlier I mentioned we take um, decisions you would make every few months and make them every a few times a day. So it's mainly around those contracts. Um, Want to make sure you have a broad portfolio of commitments that leverage a variety of pricing commit uh, terms and models and discounts. 
Um, and we do that by uh, essentially proactively handling all the buying, selling, and converting of reservations and commitments, um, as well as leveraging an internal marketplace across our customer base, where we can help some businesses that uh, don't need as many commitments anymore um, offload them to other businesses that need much more. So again, if you think about the COVID period, we know many businesses took a major hit um, and had way a significantly less need for capacity. While others benefited and had a significant higher need for capacity around um, gaming, video conferencing, and whatnot. Um, so it was very helpful both to our customers that needed to offload commitments they don't have anything to do with, and to our other customers that needed new commitments, but they didn't know how long things are going on because um, of these unpredictable times. And uh, it was really useful for both sides that we were able to essentially do these conversions between them um, and the buying and selling, uh, you know, taking a three-year RI with six months left on it um, and selling it to someone so they enjoyed a 60% discount, but with only but with an only six-month commitment while someone else um, got, just got rid of six months of waste. And really what we're able to get our customers is without them needing dozens of financial analysts or spending their DevOps teams or IT teams time on running Excels all day long to manage commitments, um, we managed to, on average, get them about 15 to 20% more savings from their commitment and reducing their commitment term by another 20 or 30% um, on average. So, uh, so they're able to commit for less and save more there as well. And really... Um, be much more hands-on and focus on differentiating work in their business. You know, um, most businesses don't specialize in cloud spend and in cloud economics. Uh, this is not why they exist as a business, and this is not what makes them a great business. Um, they're a great business because they enable people to buy experiences and tickets every in every single place in the world, um, or they allow people to learn dozens of languages from their phone. And we help those businesses focus on what they do best while we help them offload um, the overhead of managing expensive infrastructure um, and maintaining an efficient business. What are you finding the use cases? Like where are they using Spot? Like who, what customers are using it and what things are they using it for? So I find the use cases in all shapes and sizes. Um, so we have customers, um, say mentioned, like a Ticketmaster or like a Duolingo that run their entire um, production workload with us. Um, Ticketmaster and us did a talk back in the recent VMware. Uh, in the recent uh, VMware is also a customer of ours that also did a talk with us at reInvent. Um, so I got confused. Um, but uh, basically, both Ticketmaster, VMware, um, and Duolingo have talked about us all together on stage with us um, at reInvent in the past two years. So uh, it's all publicly on the internet, so I can, we can feel free to share that. Um, what Ticketmaster does, for example, is... Uh, they have about a 1,400 person R&D organization um, that runs itself um, very deeply in containers. They've actually been a very early mover on the container space. Um, and they run their, a massive amount of their production stack um, on Kubernetes um, and have been for a while. And essentially, their entire Kubernetes infrastructure, um, so their VMs underneath Kubernetes in the cloud, uh, which is a few thousands of them uh, across tens of thousands of cores, are completely orchestrated by Ocean by Spot. Um, what Ocean does essentially and is really free up their developers or their um, architects' times. So essentially, they have about 1,400 people in R&D, and they only have about three or four people uh, managing Kubernetes internally. Yet they run one of the most efficient Kubernetes stacks I've ever seen. Um, now, what 
we do as part of it is that those 1,400 developers are building hundreds of microservices, if not even thousands, actually building hundreds of different systems, um, each one of them with dozens of microservices. And all of them go into those Kubernetes clusters and every single microservice has a different resource requirement. So think about it for a moment. Um, you're using a certain VM size traditionally, and you normally used to put an application on a VM. Now you're starting to put anywhere between four to 40 applications on a single VM. Every application has a different resource requirement, a different set of resource requirements. You know, we're all still human. Um, so we're only able to really pick and choose one, two, three different VM types. Uh, and that becomes really problematic the larger and larger your um, implementation of that becomes. Um, now with 1400 developers, it's already awfully complex. And what Ocean does for them is in real time, look at all these requirements coming from the containers in terms of CPU, memory, disk, networking, any limitations, tolerations, stains, um, and other configurations that are internal to Kubernetes. It takes all that data together and in real time chooses which instance to launch at what time. Uh, all of that combined, um, and to quote uh, Tim Nicholas, the VP of infrastructure at the Ticketmaster, um, is providing Ticketmaster a 5x more cost efficiency or more bang for their buck by running apps in Kubernetes on Ocean compared to any other infrastructure they have in the cloud. Um, so think about that for a moment. You could get for the exact amount of spend, the exact amount of dollar spend on one place X and on another place 5x. Um, and that really allows the customers to do a lot more, unleash a lot more power from the cloud. Um, but really, in their case, it will be anything they run. So it can be a part of the of their websites. It can be parts of uh, their, uh, you know, when you think about a company like Ticketmaster, you probably don't think about how they almost face a DDoS attack daily. Um, you know, they release, a, they release a concert, Taylor Swift is in town, 50,000 tickets, 400,000 people trying to buy those tickets, and about 4 million bots also trying to buy those tickets. In about 20 minutes, you have to make sure that those tickets are being sold only to humans um, and, you know, to 40,000 out of the 400,000 and none to the 4 million. Um, and you have to filter all of them and fight all of them and make sure everything goes smoothly um, and everyone happily has their tickets, no double bookings, no nothing. Um, it's a pretty complex stack that needs to work there. And they're really gaining the benefit of running all of it on uh, excess capacity that is instantly burstable, instantly scalable, um, always available and dynamically orchestrated um, as their developers deploy more applications instead of anyone having to talk to these operators on a daily basis. So basically, if they know something's going on sale that morning, they don't have to go and scale it up beforehand. They can do an on-demand and just pay for what they're using as opposed to you know spinning up thousands of VM for a concert that they don't know how many tickets are going to sell. Exactly. So uh, basically in real time, you know, as the connections ramp up, so, you know, in minute one, they'll have, uh, I'm just randomly saying numbers here, but in minute one, they'll have 10,000 connections trying to buy tickets. In minute three, they'll have uh, 500,000 connections, 80% of which are fake. Um, and in minute 10, they'll have 5 million connections, 95% of which are fake. Um, basically all bots trying to steal those tickets to resell them. And what will happen is that around minute one, they'll start seeing the ramp up in connections and then Ocean will immediately scale um, instances based on the number of containers coming in to handle all these requests. 
um, and they really won't have to do anything. And it doesn't matter which which filtering system is being used here. You know, it's not one system that's useful for all types of uh, tickets they sell. They work with hundreds of vendors probably. Um, so uh, whatever system is to scale dynamically at that moment, no one really needs to take a look at it and go do that. Um, it just does it in real time based on the number of requests on the application layer. And then Ocean um, immediately handles the infrastructure layer and it always stays the most cost effective it can be. Um, another uh, example we have is a, uh, in the beginning of uh, um, the shelter in place, a lot of people turned on to video games. Um, and we work with some companies in that space of uh, video gaming and video gaming advertising. And we almost overnight saw their infrastructure uh, double, triple, or even quadruple. And you know, a few days later, we went into them and said, hey guys, we've noticed this is happening for you, um, you know, sometime in mid-March. Um, is there anything we can do? And the comments were essentially, well, you're too late because you're asking me that a day after it happened, your system took care of it 10 seconds after it happened. Um, optimized my infrastructure, made sure I have all the capacity available, doubled or tripled my footprint in the cloud, but maintained my unit economics to be most effective they can be. Um, and basically, we know our revenue or our usage is going up with that. So you know, as long as the, as the cost per unit of compute is still effective, it doesn't really matter that we need to pay more now. We have more business going on. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, if you've ever played around in the cloud, I, I know I know I've done this. I'll go in there and I'll spin up a bunch of VMs, and then I'll you know play with them for a little while, and then I treat them like my lab. I, I leave them running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forget they're running, right? And then like a month yep. later, I get the bill. I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so what yep. Spot's essentially doing is it's helping you not forget that stuff. Exactly. So it's helping you not forget that stuff. It's helping. It's helping you. So it's not only about turning things off at times. So let's say you you played with your lab and you needed, again, X amount of resources. And over the days, you needed something between X to 3X going up and down based on how many tests you're running in your lab. Now, not only that we would be there to more natively make sure that you're actually going up from X to 3X um, as time goes on and then to zero when you don't when you're done with testing, also, the X that you're using to begin with will say, hey, for what you're doing here, you can actually get X from a resource perspective, but we can get you to pay 0.3X while you do that. Um, and while your resources will go from X to 3X, your costs will go from 0.3X to 4X. Uh, sorry, to X, basically. <laughs> My bad. Um, so everything will still be cut in by two-thirds or into a third of what it was. Um, and it will stay dynamic to only be there when you need it. Um, so it's not just about um, using less resources, or it's not just about using cheaper resources. It's about doing both. Um, so it's about getting what you need when you need it and getting it for the cheapest price. Yeah, but most importantly, doing it for you. <laughs> exactly. Because you, know? you can't pay attention <laughs> yeah. to something 24 by 7. If you've ever worked in an IT department where you had to manage a website and you got those pager calls at 3 a.m. because you know the site started getting hammered, Spot just does that. It, is, it takes over and you don't have to worry about waking up to manage it. Um, yeah, basically exactly that. Um, so all these decisions are done for you and you don't need to think about it. The, the way I like sometimes describing it is that we have several solutions, but essentially some of them will take decisions you make every few days and will start making them every few seconds. 
And some of them will take decisions you make every few months and will start making them a few times a day. Um, essentially, like you're saying, it's it's all fully automated. It's not necessarily that you know every single decision we make is one that a human couldn't process. A lot of them are. They just have too much data for a human to actually effectively look at many times. But um, but some of them not aren't necessarily very complex. It's more about automated and being done in a timely, continuous manner. Um, so you know. You could maybe take some of the decisions we're taking every 10 seconds if you would look at the data for two hours. <laughs> um, but then we are going to do it every 10 seconds continuously while there's a limited or a finite amount of time. So you're going to sit there and look at your optimization data for hours. You mentioned Ticketmaster and their use case. What about the VMware use case? How are they using it? Uh, so VMware is using it um, in two cases. Uh but the, the main one is essentially also around their containerized workloads. Um, they leverage us for a continuous optimization pattern uh, across not just the, the compute layer, but also the application layer. Essentially, what they're doing is they deploy applications into Kubernetes um, at a certain size. So imagine uh, many companies tell their developers, choose a T-shirt size for your um, container size, a small, medium, or a large. The small is one vCPU, a medium is two, and a large is four. Um, and, you know, two, four, eight gigs of memory um, or something like that. And then you as a developer, not wanting to get paged at 3 a.m., are thinking to yourself, not really sure if my application is a small or a medium. Not really want to do a performance test right now for the next few days. Let me just choose a medium. It's not that much more resources, just a half a CPU more I'm asking for. Uh, and it's more likely to run smoothly. And then imagine what happens when you have 5,000 developers doing that. <laughs> um, slowly, every single one of them is rounding up the resources that their application is requesting. And suddenly, you think you have a containerized environment that needs 100,000 vCPUs. Well, in reality, it could have done exactly the same um, on 60,000 because everyone kept rounding up. Everyone kept making the easy decision. Now, what Ocean does there is essentially it sits inside their Kubernetes clusters and it continuously monitors um, the application usage versus request. So let's say, again, you've made a request for two vCPUs and four gigs of memory. What if all you need is 1.6 and three uh, vCPUs and 3.2 gigs of memory or 3.4 gigs of memory? Um, essentially, what Ocean does is continuously monitor the applications for their usage versus requests. Um, and VMware has built some really cool stuff to leverage all that data to continuously optimize their applications. So essentially what you end up having is two continuous feedback loops. One of them resizing the applications based on what they're actually consuming. And then the other one resizing the infrastructure based on what the applications are asking that is again, driven by the real consumption. Um, so Ticketmaster has built uh, that with us, um, or, or not even, sorry, VMware has uh, leveraged our capabilities to build it, to use that internally. Uh, we've since actually built a lot of that automation uh, for our customers. So anyone that's listening here can do that with us today. Um, having uh, essentially this double continuous cycle of uh, optimizing your applications and infrastructure. Um, and it really doesn't take uh, more than, uh, again, less than an hour to set up the infrastructure piece, as I mentioned, seven to 10 minutes. Application piece might be a bit more involved, kind of changing some manifests and YAMLs and things like that on the fly. But uh, um, but yeah, uh, VMware also leverages uh, that with us. There's this concept of shadow IT where you know 
people would go out and end users would go out and create their own IT environments. They'd go into the cloud and spin up their own resources. Does Spot kind of take shadow IT and say, fine, do it, <laughs> but now you're doing it in a more allowed and controlled environment? Does Spot kind of take that concept of shadow IT and allow the end users to provision things, but also manage them so that these these organizations can allow their end users to deploy things that they want without worrying about taking on those costs? Exactly. So that's a great point. Um, what we see with all of our customers is that some of them say, I'm spending too much on cloud. I need to make it lower, um, which is one way to look at it. Others are saying, well, actually, I'm within my IT budget. I just need to be doing so much more within that budget. Um, and I really want to increase the bank for my buck. I want to keep my developers free. I want to keep them flexible. That's one of the reasons we move to the cloud. So everyone can do what they want and be innovative and creative and get resources when they need it, not when their uh, ticket to IT is getting answered. And But we need to get more out of it. We need to have more efficiency. We need to have more resources, but we don't need to have more spend. Um, so the spot platform becomes extremely efficient for that by continuously, again, optimizing all these small decisions happening throughout the day by many, many people um, and making the most cost-effective decision for every single one of them as they request for resources. And that's actually exactly what NetApp internally is doing. Um, so uh, many of the internal NetApp testing teams and internal um, NetApp uh, usage um, is around that. So NetApp's internal cloud platform leverages um, the spot APIs to to launch access capacity. So for example, when a, a random developer internally here wants to go and deploy um, a test environment, they go to like the internal um, platform to deploy resources and they deploy it. And then the platform goes back through us into um, NetApp Cloud accounts. And then we choose the optimization model and the, the cost efficiency for it. Um, and NetApp's dev environments have been able to reduce around 80% of their spend in many places um, because of that. So, you know, we've talked a few, about a few companies that are very large, like Ticketmaster, VMware, and even NetApp. Um, where does this fit in for the small and medium customers? I, I can, you know, because they're not going to spin up a ton of resources, but they still want to save money. So does this really play in that market or is that something that they wouldn't consider? Um, yeah, so actually a ton of our customers are in the mid to high growth uh, market. Uh, a lot of uh, cloud native uh, companies, tech startups, um, Really, any amount of spend. So, by the way, the first 20 instances are free forever. Um, anyone uh, listening, doesn't matter how big your infrastructure is, you can go to the spot.io and register to a free trial um, immediately. First 20 instances will be uh, free for life. So, even if you have a very small footprint, you can enjoy the optimizations um, on the house. <laughs> um, now, basically, anyone can use that. The entire pricing model of the spot platform is based as such that we charge. Um, a fee of the savings um, that we're generating to our customers after they're generated. So there is always a net negative cost to the solution. You don't have to implement it at scale. You have to choose which workloads this is going to be plugged into. Um, it's not an all or nothing thing. Um, so 100%, small companies really enjoy it because uh, that's a way for them to, when they're not able to commit, and it's hard for them to predict um, two to three years out uh, their commitment with a cloud provider, um, we are basically a great way to optimize the spend um, and not uh, and still maintain flexibility. Now, uh, and again, when you have a small startup and you just have a few sets of workloads, um, so I mentioned Duolingo. Duolingo has actually 300 million users um, or even more now um, on their apps. And uh, 
it took them about eight days to go from having the first ever discussion and demo with us to running their entire stack from dev to staging to production um, on our platform. Um, and they immediately saved tens of thousands of dollars that very same month. And uh, I have uh, literally hundreds of stories of uh, small companies that have done the same with us. So I don't know if I heard this correctly, but you mentioned that you get paid based on calculating the savings from what they you know would have spent, and then you take a percentage of that. Is that is that correct? Yes, that is exactly correct. Um, so we see what would be the on-demand rates for running those workloads we're running for them, and we see what they practically pay their cloud providers for that same workload. And at the end of the month, after they saved all that money, we charge them a fee of that. Do you ever get haggled over that? You know, do, do people say, "Well, I wouldn't have spent that," or do, or do you just like say, "Here, here's the here's the data." Um, so we show them the data, and they can see it in uh, in their cloud providers. They see the exact uh, everything is in per second billing. We see the exact amount of hours and resources consumed, and uh, we see the exact market prices, and we see the exact actual prices. Um, not to mention, people don't challenge everything. Uh, that's why we work with engineers, and that's why it's fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, but I don't think, uh, I can't recall of a single time where we couldn't eventually prove that, you know, the metrics worked and, uh, the, all the calculations were correct and everything met expectations. Um, we're extremely high CSET scores and our customers are, uh, are very, very pleased with overall, uh, with our customer support and service, which is also by the way, given 24 seven with a two minute SLA at no additional cost to the platform. Yeah, it's an interesting way to, to bill because I don't think I've ever heard anyone doing it that way, like predictive billing almost. Um, yeah, so it's uh, so it's not being predictive. It's essentially we we bill you after you use it. Um, and really, I think it keeps us aligned. You know, uh, this way, our customer, we only get paid when our customers are actually saving money. No, I think that's um, a great idea. Them, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think this way... Uh, keeps everyone happy and it keeps us honest and it prevents us from pushing customers to do things that are not good for them. Um, or, you know, just charging them a flat bill of their uh, entire cloud spend. And then if they don't take um, any action with it, they just end up paying more instead of less. <laughs> um, so yeah, it maintains some flexibility and uh, allows us to really give our customers value. All right, Tomer, that sounds great. So where would we find more information about Spot? We can find more information at uh, the spot.io website. Um, and also, uh, if you want to read more about uh, how Spot and NetApp is better together, then Anthony Lai, uh, the leader of the cloud business unit at NetApp, uh, wrote a really nice blog post back when the acquisition happened. It's at uh, blog.netapp.com slash spot dash acquisition. Um, and generally, you can uh, go to our website. You can uh, also... Uh, if you'll Google us, you'll find many blogs, many uh, Ticketmaster, uh, you know, videos and uh, um, conferencing uh, webinars and um, stage meetings and everything you might be interested in. Um, so yeah, you can uh, definitely go to those sources. And lastly, as I mentioned, you can find me at uh, tomer.h at netup.com. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and I'll be more than happy to answer. Um, and shed some more about cloud infrastructure and uh, optimizations. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Tomer. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. 
As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you'd like to share today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Tomar Hadassi for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.